It's 3.45 in the morning and that was my alarm going off. Um, I'm not getting up this early to go to work or anything like that. I'm actually getting up to watch a Formula One race. We've got 20 cars all lined up. Brand new season, brand new dawn for Formula One. It's the Bahrain Grand Prix and it's lights out and away we go. Kia ora, I'm Sarah Robson, and today on The Details... Oh, no problem this time for Charles Leclerc. Can he stay on track? Then it's just as he retakes the lead from Max Verstappen. Fast cars, billionaires, champagne and celebrities. Formula One is one of the most exclusive sports in the world. Max Verstappen is out of the race. Charles Leclerc leads, Carlos Sainz second, Sergio Perez third, then comes Hamilton and Russell. So how has it managed to win over millions of new fans, including me? The interest in the sport, the amount of sponsors coming in, can you remember it being greater? No, I, I think it's, it's exploded. The answer? The Netflix documentary come reality TV series, Drive to Survive. This is a season like no other. Unbelievable start from Hamilton. He's just insane. Oh, they touched! The fourth season of Drive to Survive came out on Netflix earlier this month. I binged all 10 episodes in a matter of days, just in time for the start of the 2022 F1 season. Formula One and Netflix struck a deal to make the show back in 2018, and it made its debut on screens in 2019. Each season of the TV show follows a year of the F1 championship. But crucially, it's not just about the racing. Viewers go behind the scenes, learn about the drivers, their backstories, the rivalries and the team politics. It's turned a lot of people who have never really followed F1 before into absolute fanatics. People like me and some of my friends. All of a sudden, um, it turned out that my youngest daughter was watching Drive to Survive on her own. She convinced her older sister, and then the two of them convinced their mother, and now we're hooked. Now we're now we're talking about, well, maybe we should go to Melbourne to the Grand Prix next year. Oh, you should watch Drive to Survive, or have you seen Drive to Survive? And now we're talking about qualifying, we're talking about tyre pressures, we're talking about wings. I knew what was going on in Formula One, but my partner couldn't care less. Now she's hooked to F1 Drive to Survive. I have to wait for her to watch an episode. She has her own feelings and opinions on on each of the drivers. So how has a television show completely transformed Formula One's image from a niche sport of the rich and famous into something with broad appeal across the spectrum? And how can motorsport more generally capitalise on that? Ask any Formula One fan why they love F1. I think, you know, they wouldn't have, they would be able to give you a clear answer. Josh Revel is a YouTuber here in New Zealand. He makes explainer-style videos about F1 on anything from the drivers in the latest controversies to weird moments in F1 history. He's got more than 300,000 subscribers. I started following the sport at uh, four or five years old. Did you want to be a racing car driver when you grow up? Yes, I think every young kid wanted to be a racing driver. You know, they looked at Michael Schumacher on TV and thought, yes, I want to be that. Michael Schumacher's done it today, and he wins his 65th Grand Prix, and he's a five times World Formula One champion. But Formula One has changed dramatically since the days when Michael Schumacher reigned supreme. 
As a sport, F1 has been around for decades, with the first world champion crowned in 1950. Formula One is seen as the pinnacle of motorsport. 20 drivers from 10 teams race at tracks all around the world. Today's cars reach speeds well in excess of 300 kilometres an hour, and drivers can pull something like 5Gs around some corners. F1's popularity has ebbed and flowed over the decades, but it's never really broken into the wider mainstream, like football or cricket has. By the mid-2010s, F1 was facing a crisis, with declining crowd numbers and falling TV viewership. Formula One was run by Bernie Eccleston. Bernie Eccleston is a little man with enormous energy, and he used that energy to lift himself more or less by the bootstraps from being a second-hand car salesman to one of the wealthiest men in sport. And Bernie, for however great he was in making Formula One as it was today, he was a little old and wizened. They said I was always trying to make money overnight and not looking into the future. It didn't appear that Bernie sort of knew exactly where to take Formula One. He was still sort of in the mindset of the 80s, 90s, in the 2010s. So things like digital media and so on, he, he just couldn't, even though he's on Instagram, he won't admit it, but he's on it. Is he? Um, and uh, he just doesn't see a commercial revenue stream from it. The sport definitely needed something that was going to help with the publicity and how it was marketed. This has been around for some time, and we can now report that it is official. Uh, Liberty Media acquiring uh, Formula One. Liberty Media bought Formula One back in 2017 for just over four and a half billion US dollars. Liberty is a massive American media company, and it's also got interests in baseball, broadcasting, and entertainment. I think there were initial concerns from Formula One fans saying, oh, they're going to Americanize it and all this stuff. The reality is that they came in and they repackaged a lot of aspects of how Formula One was marketed. Social media, graphics packaging, format for the weekend, new theme song, and of course, Drive to Survive. The drivers are the best in the world. We all believe we are the one. Your teammate is your worst enemy. He beats me every race. My career's done. With that, we've seen the sport become so much more popular, I suppose, in, in terms of the average viewer. Whereas before Liberty took over, I think really we were all kind of like, oh, geez, I, it, the, the fan base is kind of aging in a not very good way. But Formula One is turning that around, thanks in large part to Drive to Survive. In its 2021 global fan survey, F1 said it was no secret that it had been struggling for years to attract younger fans, and women especially. It said its big push into digital and social media and projects like Drive to Survive were engaging a new generation of fans. In the US, a survey by The Morning Consult found 28% of adults said they were F1 fans, up from 21% a couple of years ago. More than half of them said Drive to Survive played some role in them getting into F1. Nearly one in three said it was the major reason, and about a quarter had started following the sport in just the last year. But the championship can only be won by one, and it's going Dutch in 2021. Max Verstappen for the... 
The nail-biting final F1 race of 2021, the title decider between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, attracted more viewers globally than even the Super Bowl. And here in New Zealand, Spark Sports says record numbers of people were tuning in as last season went right down to the wire. Average viewer numbers more than doubled. But has the success come at the expense of long-standing fans? You know, it's it's a double-edged sword with Drive to Survive because on, on one hand, you do have the purists that look at it and question a lot of things. As with a lot of TV series, especially on Netflix, it is a bit, you know, <clears throat> dramatised. All of a sudden there's this little story that comes out that Orlando saying he has no sympathy for Daniel because Daniel can't get to grips with the car. Yeah, but what I said is just the truth. I don't feel sympathy for him. Why would I? You look at it and you're like, uh, okay, you may have skewed a couple of things here and there. Largely, it is what goes on behind the scenes. It does show the cutthroat world of Formula One. It's, it's great to show that aspect to the fans because normally what you see is just people driving around in circles and you've got to, oh, got to wonder, well, what's the real point to watch any of this? And who are these characters? We don't know who they are. The, the whole point of Drive to Survive is not drafting the people who are already watching the sport. It's to draft in new fans. And the amount of people who have come off of Drive to Survive to watch Formula One on a regular basis has been exceptional, you know? Like, it, that's, the, that's the point, to increase the popularity of the sport. And that's what it's done. And it's, it's great for all involved. While some purists may get a bit down regarding some of the details of Drive to Survive, what's on the screen is what's on the screen. It's definitely not an inaccurate um, portrayal of what goes on there because having worked with people in motorsport, not a lot of them are good actors. Put it that way. That's not to say that Liberty Media's Formula One revolution has been all smooth sailing. There was a lot of scepticism uh, coming in and a lot of initial rejection as well, at least from my perspective. Like, for example, when the theme song came out, the new theme song by Brian Taylor. Hum it for me. Hum the theme song. Uh, da, 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 da. <laughs> I can't do, I can't do it. Like, it's, uh, but it's, it's, it's so iconic now with Formula One. When you hear that intro preceding the race, it gets you pumped up. It wants you to watch that race and get in the mood for it. And so despite the initial rejection from the fans who said it just sounds like a Pirates of the Caribbean theme song, nowadays they all love it. And that's the power of, of liberty, really. With all this hype around Formula One, is there an opportunity for motorsport here in New Zealand to cash in? A Motorsport New Zealand study has found it's got a $1.1 billion economic benefit annually. Another one of our young motor racing drivers is bracing for a career-defining year ahead. Cantab Marcus Armstrong has changed teams in Formula 2. Liam Lawson, who's having a year to remember both in Formula 2, of course, in the DTM competition. Satisfaction still sinking in for the New Zealand driver Brendan Hartley after he took out one of the world's biggest motor races for the second time this morning. But they're not the only Kiwi motorsport stars making waves around the world. I'm Emma Gilmore. I'm a New Zealand rally driver. I've been rallying for 
oh, almost 20 years now uh, in New Zealand and all around the world. A trailblazer in her own right as the first and only female driver to win a round of the New Zealand Rally Championship. Gilmore has forged an impressive career since swapping equestrian for serious horsepower nearly two decades ago. Uh, this year I am racing for McLaren uh, in the Extreme E Series, which is a brand new race series uh, competing in remote areas of the planet. Gilmore making history as McLaren Racing's first ever female driver. Growing up in New Zealand, Bruce McLaren, McLaren Racing, you know, is a household name and you think of it and you think of the pinnacle of motorsport. So for me to be joining the team, it's kind of like getting the call up for the All Blacks. Drive to Survive, it's been an absolute phenomenon for Formula One. Do you watch it? Yeah, I do, yeah. I was actually quite a late comer to it. Like I um, it was probably two seasons old, I'd say at least, before I got hooked on it. And, um, yeah, I, I absolutely love it, what they've done in terms of taking a sport and, you know, and educating people, you know, because it, it's almost sort of overwhelming. Like if you, if you flick on the TV and, and you see F1, it's like, oh, yeah, there's cars going around a track. But, you know, once you're watching Drive to Survive and you learn all the personalities from the drivers to the team owners to the engineers, the backers and the financiers, all that sort of thing, it, it's, I mean, it's such a, a cutthroat environment. Uh, it's, yeah, it's hugely exciting and addictive to, to watch as a series. Why do you think so many people have gotten into it we all love watching sport don't we we all love watching live sport whatever this the sport might be and and I think what drive to survive has done which no other sports done yet I mean they've, they've been the first to do it is, is they've taken the human element of sport and added it into the excitement of of live sport I mean you, you turn up to a race weekend and no one knows what's going to happen, which is always the case when when you when you take live sport. And and then you've got all of the you know they create that story behind it for each episode. So it it's you know it's it's hugely um, hugely entertaining. And and I think it will be it will be really exciting to see if other sports you know um, do something similar in, in years to come. And of course, New Zealand has quite a rich history in Formula One. Obviously, McLaren was founded by a New Zealander. How do you think that potentially plays into the popularity of motorsport here in New Zealand and I guess the flow-on effects to things like Drive to Survive, um, the up-and-comers that New Zealand's got in F2, as well as people like you racing in Extreme E? Yeah, I, I, like you've just summarised, I mean, we've got um, so many amazing, cool things about New Zealand and motorsport. So, yeah, like you touched on, we've got some amazing talents currently competing around the world, uh, you know, like uh, Shane Van Gisbergen and the eight, Scott McLaughlin now in the Indies and obviously uh, Scott Dixon, everything he's achieved. And then you've got the likes of Liam Lawson um, coming up through the ranks. And then Brendan Hartley, he's doing a fantastic job in the uh, in the Le Mans type vehicles and Earl Bamba. I mean, like, yeah, you could just keep going on and on and on about all these amazing talents. But, you know, they're, they're riding, we're all riding on the shoulders of the, of the motorsport talents that have gone before us, you know, going all the way back through to the Bruce McLaren's. Bruce was just a normal New Zealand boy who dreamed about going faster. He went on to become one of the world's best drivers and car designers. Dennis Hulme of New Zealand now leads the championship table thanks to his first ever Grand Prix victory. The Chris Amons. Chris Amon won four of the seven Tasman races and with a couple of thirds finished with 44 points. And I think part of all of that is that uh, in our motorsport history is the events that we've hosted in New Zealand. You know, we have 
we had some amazing um, international motorsport events where you'd have all of these F1 champions coming out to compete in our summer series because, you know, it was winter back home in Europe. And so you have the driving talent that that's come from, but also the fan base. Yeah, it's the events which then has built the talent, which has just got this, you know, motorsport history that New Zealand can be so proud of. New Zealand actually has its own premier race the New Zealand Grand Prix, which features the top local talents and up-and-coming drivers from around the world. Current F1 drivers like McLaren's Lando Norris and Aston Martin's Lance Stroll have actually competed here. So will the increased interest in F1 translate to more interest in local motorsport events? Oh, it's, it's very possible, and we, we might already have seen now our next F1 star in, in our backyard, but... Um... Yeah, I think, obviously, I really feel for the New Zealand Grand Prix the, the last few years. It's been difficult with the border closed for us to be able to get these international stars over. But, uh, you know, I think anything that, that shines a spotlight on your sport is, has got to be good for the for the grassroots level. You know, it, it, it gets people excited about it. It gets people passionate about it. It brings on board, you know, more sponsorship opportunities, all of those kind of things. It's it's a it's a moving machine. So I think it's it's really exciting Um yeah, what 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 Drive to Survive has done for for F1 and and, and for the flow on from that for motorsport is is fantastic. How do you think F1 and motorsport more generally can cash in on the very broad appeal that Drive Survive has had? I'm thinking, how do we get more women into race cars, more women as mechanics and engineers? How do you do that? I think it's doing it. Like I think, I think when you've got a, a mainstream media, you know, um, TV show like that, um, that that people want to watch, like it's it's enjoyable entertainment. Um, by default, you know, young kids are watching it and they're going, oh, like I might not, you know, have the the backing and the money and the millions to 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 follow the course of being a driver, but you know, I could be an engineer or I could be a designer or I could be a, a marketing person in the team or you know, a team owner or you know, there's there's so many um jobs within F1 that you know obviously get forgotten about because the focus is on the drivers when it's just a sporting event. But when you've got this drive to survive um show and it shows that behind the scenes um work that goes into a team. Uh, you know, it opens the eyes for people to sort of see those possibilities that might be there. How far off do you think the next female F1 driver is? Yeah, I, I hope it's, it's sooner than we all think. For decades, motorsport was a man's world, but this is a victory for female racing. 21-year-old British driver Jamie Chadwick claimed the first ever title in the all-female W Series. Out of the final corner, Jamie Chadwick sees the chequered flag first and wins at Budapest after the definition of a dominant drive. The biggest challenge for young female drivers is to navigate their way through the glass ceiling of motor racing. In an ideal world, there, there shouldn't be uh, separate series. But until we can get lots more women coming into, into the sport at the bottom and until we can demonstrate that women are as worthy as the boys are to fund, then, then I think women need this platform. To get to the top in F1, it's, it's almost, you know, it's, it's gender irrelevant in that it's, you know, you need so much money, you need so much luck, you need timing opportunities. You know, there's there's a lot of talented male drivers that have, have never made it. Uh, you know, I really, really hope that we will see a, a female driver there soon. And I think the more girls we have coming through in the earlier levels of motorsport, then, then we will get there. 
Now, are you allowed to have a pick for this F1 season? What do you think is going to happen this time? Oh, it's or have so you got team orders? <laughs> it's so interesting with the with the new cars. You know, it really does um, sort of uh, shake things up. And it seems like Ferrari have come out pretty strong. But uh, you know, obviously, my heart's with McLaren. So uh, you know, so I'll be cheering on Daniel and Lando. Uh, and and for me, I'd I'd really like to see Lewis um, have a have a good season. Um, I know he's, he's a controversial figure with how people fall um, fall with him, but you know I felt it was really unfair what happened to him at that that final round. This race that started with controversy is ending with controversy. No, Mikey, no, no, Mike, that was so not right. Max Verstappen for the first time ever is champion of the world. Lewis Hamilton. Finishes in second place after leading for so, so long. Yeah, I'm all about fairness when it comes to, you know, com- competing. I was crying into my pillow at three o'clock in the morning during that last <laughs> lap. I walked away from the TV in disgust. <laughs> <laughs> how, how it takes over our lives and we get so invested in it. Yeah. <laughs> That's it for today. I'm Sarah Robson. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Adrian Holley, produced by Emile Donovan, and thanks to Josh Revel and Emma Gilmore. Kakite anō.